Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Aspenes, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding and science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why sh should he see your face as worse lightning than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had sent over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children they eat the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter, and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days their countenances appeared fairer and fatter and flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Messar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink, and gave them pulse. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, be found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. Amen. And we know that the Lord will add his blessing to his word for his name's sake. You probably will be hard-pressed to find a closer stronger and more godlier group of young men in the Bible than the group we just read about in Daniel chapter 1. Their names are listed in verse 7. 
Daniel, the name of Belteshazzar, and Hananiah of Sedrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and Azariah of Abednego. Daniel and his friends, whose original names honored the God of Israel, were given new names that intended to honor the false gods of Babylon. However, despite these efforts of paganization, these four men, by God's grace, stayed true to their Hebrews' names and to their Hebrew God. According to a Bible commentary, the Hebrew word for children in verse 4 probably refers to teenagers, a good estimate being around age 15. So many Bible scholars believe that these young men, these young Hebrew men, were around 15 years of age at this time uh, in Daniel chapter 1. Therefore, in honor of these four Hebrew teenagers, I've entitled my message simply this morning, A Band of Godly Brothers. A Band of Godly Brothers. What made them strong? What kept them united? There are six shared qualities common among Daniel, Sedrach, Meshach, and Abednego that will motivate us to follow the Lord closely. So what I'd like to do is I don't want to look at all six this morning. I'd like to consider three this morning and then three more in the afternoon, Lord willing. And the first thing I'd like to look at when it comes to these shared qualities of these men is that they had a godly upbringing. They had a godly upbringing. Where did these men learn to pray and study the law of God? Where did their strong convictions and principles come from? Undoubtedly, they came from parents and teachers and friends, men and women who loved them and prayed for them and taught them the word of God in Israel. Remember, this is a time of exile, a time uh, where they were taken from their homeland and put into an area that they were unfamiliar with, a foreign land. And yet, when you read this passage here in Daniel chapter 1, you're immediately struck with the religious integrity and conviction of these men. They loved the Lord, and they wanted to do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And where did that come from? Did they just innately have this desire to seek the Lord? I believe that all four of them enjoyed the privilege of, of a godly upbringing, of coming from a godly home where they had priests to teach them the law. They had the temple to worship the Lord. They heard the word of God read. They were taught the word of God. They were basically uh, being ministered to by parents who loved the Lord and who wanted their children to seek the Lord. And so we see that when they are removed from that comfort zone, when they are removed from their family life and now put into a strange land where there's paganism all around them, how would they react? Would they just uh, forget what they were taught? Would they just forget all the teaching and instruction that their parents and teachers did for them in Israel? And we see that they did not. Uh, they were very strongly motivated, inspired to follow the Lord, to obey the Lord, and to seek the Lord. And this is something that is such a privilege, even for many of you today. You young people uh, have uh, been raised in a Christian home. With the privileges of the Bible being read and your parents praying for you daily, seeking the Lord for your welfare, not only spiritually, but emotionally, socially, in every aspect of your life. And I believe these four men had that privilege. They shared that quality and that made them 
that band of brothers, that godly brothers that uh, we see here in Daniel chapter 1, writing to encourage young Timothy in the gospel ministry. The Apostle Paul reminds Timothy of his godly upbringing. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in these also, in thee also. And then later uh, in the same letter, uh, Paul writes, uh, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. So we see here, especially for young people, to take notice that one of the reasons why these men were such a band of godly brothers is because they had such a godly heritage. They were raised in an environment where the word of God was read and preached and where prayer was made on them on a continual basis. And it's the same here in our church uh, when we have parents who love the Lord and want to see their children go on with the Lord so that when perhaps something happens unexpectedly or unplanned where the fall of Jerusalem occurred and they were taken out of that comfort zone, out of the home, they were ready, they were prepared to seek the Lord and to serve the Lord, even in this hostile environment that we read about here in Daniel chapter 1. One of the things that uh, you, uh, as privileged young people, have is that you have um, your life been exposed to these wonderful means of grace. And with this exposure um, comes the... The ability to put all these things together that you've been taught and apply these things in your own life. And we see that with these four men, it wasn't just their parents' religion. It just wasn't their parents' uh, faith in the Lord. They adopted this faith themselves and customized it and personalized it to themselves so that they took it with them. And they followed the Lord and they had their own personal relationship with the Lord. And that's really the whole goal of raising your children is so that when they get older, they won't forsake the true religion. They won't forsake the following of the Lord, but they will continue on and serve the Lord all their days. Uh, I was not privileged to be raised in a godly home. I was raised uh, in a moral home. I was raised uh, in a Roman Catholic home with uh, the, the idolatry and the, the false religion that came with it. So when I was later in my life, uh, I didn't have that privilege, that exposure to the means of grace. It took the Lord to save my soul when I was uh, somewhere around 20 to open my heart. So all those years that I grew up, I wasn't exposed and insulated to the means of grace. I didn't have the word of God read uh, I didn't apply the word of God. I didn't have people praying for my soul in a sense. They said prayers, but they didn't really pray. So I was in that pagan environment of idolatry. And so all those years, my first 20 years of life, I didn't have this exposure that you have today, young people, that these four men had. So don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted that this is a, something that people, young people are exposed to. Most young people are not exposed to the means of grace. 
Most young people don't have the word of God or open the word of God ever. And they never hear the word of God. And they never have anyone praying for them. And yet you have seen and experienced in your own life, even today, the privilege and honor to be in the house of the Lord, to hear the word of God, and to have family members, parents, uh, fathers and mothers who are willing to bring you to, to the house of the Lord for your good and for your benefit in the Lord. So what made these four Hebrew children a band of godly brothers? I would suggest first they had a godly upbringing. Secondly, they had a godly view of trials. And they had many trials that they experienced here, these four young men. Uh, We read the historical context in Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. In 586 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon destroyed the city of Jerusalem. He leveled the temple of Solomon. He utterly destroyed. And, and those Hebrews who survived were taken prisoners back to Babylon to be slaves and to be property of the Babylonian Empire. And indeed, this was a dark period in the history of Israel, perhaps one of the darkest periods ever uh, in the history of Israel. And so you would see and think that with such gloom and doom, what good would come from uh, a period uh, of, of such darkness? However, when you read Daniel chapter 1 and you're introduced to the captivity and the bondage and the trials and the difficulties of, of the nation, there is this glimmer and ray of hope that you see come through in these four men, don't you? You see four men shining in a dark period in the history of Israel. And this is something that really struck me as I read this, is that the Lord, even though he had to bring his people to the point of judgment, yet he had a remnant still. He had a people that still had a heart and desire to serve the Lord. And they were these lights uh, that shined in a very, very dark place. And there are four lights that were shining here that we read about in Daniel chapter 1. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, What a tremendous testimony to God's preservation of his people, even in the darkest times and moments in history. Christ taught in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 16, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And I would suggest that's what Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel were doing. They were letting their light shine forth to let men see where they stood with the Lord. They didn't hide their faith. They expressed their faith. They had to take a stand for their faith. They had to decide for the Lord. Was it going to be the Lord or was it going to be Babylonian idolatry and paganism? And these four shining lights shine brightly 
to encourage us. And even in the darkest times, in the darkest times of history, the Lord still works in his people to shine forth the truth uh, of faith in the Lord. Uh, We read in Philippians chapter 2, the words of the apostle Paul, uh, Philippians 2 verses 14 and 15, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. There it is. It's the same idea. A crooked and perverse nation. Uh, These four men were in a crooked and perverse nation, uh, steeped in idolatry, given over to all kinds of vices and wickedness, and yet uh, it didn't prevent them from expressing their faith. If anything, it gave opportunity for them to express their faith more fully and more boldly and more courageously. What an example these men are to us. And this was what made them a band of godly brothers. They all were committed to the Lord. They were all like one man together, united to serve the Lord. And that's what's so encouraging for us today is that same spirit that moved in these four men moves in the church of God through the people of God. Daniel and his friends turned their trials into opportunities to glorify God. And these trials were very hard trials. Probably they lost their parents. Their father and mother perhaps were killed or they were separated when Nebuchadnezzar took them away. Um, Orphans. Um, They were in the house of the eunuchs. Some suggest, were they eunuchs themselves? That could have been possibly something that they experienced. Uh, Not sure if if Daniel and and these three men were eunuchs. If they were, that was a terrible thing to happen to you. Uh, Physical trials, uh, social trials, family trials, spiritual trials. They knew it all. They no longer had the temple to go to to worship. They probably didn't have their parents alive anymore. If you, if you could say that this band of godly brothers was the closest thing they had to a family. And they united together and they came before the Lord and they served the Lord in trials. <coughs> Paul has a lot to say about trials in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 verses 3 and 5. We read, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. We glory in tribulations. And you'd have to say, and and I think it can be proven here in Daniel chapter 1, that these men had the godly view of trials. They didn't let the trials crush them that they allowed the trials that they experienced opportunities to serve and glorify the Lord, which they do now here in Daniel chapter 1. They are in a position to glorify God in a very difficult and trying situation. Not only does Paul talk about this view of trials from a godly perspective, what is James's view on trials? Is it the same as Paul? Listen to what James says. In James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And then with Paul and James giving us that godly perspective on trials, what about Peter? What does Peter talk about? trials in our lives. First Peter chapter 4 verses 12 through 16. 
Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Literally, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through a literal fiery trial in chapter 3 of Daniel. Literally went in there. And when you read that passage in Daniel chapter 3, there was no hesitation on their part. We are not going to serve this idol that you created in your image, Nebuchadnezzar. Whether the Lord deliver us, he can, or whether he not, we're not going to serve, we're not going to worship you, but we're going to worship the true and living God. Peter says, but rejoice in so much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be a reproach for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. And their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. That's really what Peter says, and that's what Paul and James are saying. Let, if any man suffers a Christian, let him glorify God on this behalf. And I believe that these four men are doing that very thing in their very deep and profound trials that they experienced that probably we will never go through. Or if we do go through, we pray that we might act the same way these men acted. To take our trials as opportunities to glorify the Lord and to do him honor and to please him. So what made Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego a band of godly brothers their godly upbringing and godly view of trials. But thirdly and finally, they were godly friends. That's what made them a band of godly brothers. They were friends. They were Christian, godly, God-fearing friends who encouraged one another and who made sure that they were true to the Lord. You can almost feel that these men were accountable to each other, that they were so serious about their walk with the Lord uh, that they stood together so that one man made a decision to follow the Lord. They were in agreement to follow the Lord together. And, it, it, and this is what you read here in Daniel chapter 1, is that Daniel is the one who seems to come out in the forefront as the one who's focused. But he is more the representative of these other three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're all together. They're all united against um, this uh, event that we will look at in the afternoon, actually, in more detail, of eating the king's food and drink. Uh, They were united because they were godly friends. They had the same beliefs, the same passions, the same desires, the same goals. They were on the same page. See, God gives us the gift of friendship, not only because it brings us joy, but because it edifies us. It brings us, it builds us up and helps us grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Look at you, young person. If you have friends today, if they're godly Christian friends, that's a blessing from the Lord. How many young people today ruin their lives because they choose their wrong friends? How many people today ruin their lives or get they cut up with the wrong people? And they drive them further and further down into confusion and sin and wickedness. And we have a fear of, our, of that happening in our own, own, own homes and families, of our children being taken away with the wrong people, with the wrong influences to pull them away from the Lord. Yet these men, these men came from a godly heritage, from a godly upbringing. 
These men had the right perspective when it came to trials, and they had good friends, solid friends, friends who looked after them to make sure that they were walking with the Lord, that they were concerned for their spiritual souls. They were concerned for the spiritual things and for the glory of God. That is one of the greatest blessings you can have in life is have friends like that. So when you become weak, you have a strong Christian friend that comes along and encourages you in the things of the Lord. And then when you're strong and you see your friend and your brother weak, you can come along and encourage them. That's why I had Jeff read Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. Iron sharpen iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And you can see here in Daniel chapter 1 that that was existing among these four men. They were sharpening each other. They were friends. They were strong. They were spiritually minded. They were living for one reason and one purpose, and that was to glorify God. It could have easily, they could have easily compromised here in Daniel chapter 1 and said, let's just eat the king's food and, and wine. But they didn't. And in the afternoon, we're going to look at why they didn't specifically. But the thing that made them a band of godly brothers was their friendship in the Lord. And young person, if you're here today and you're, you have friends that are not godly friends, you have friends that are really tear, tearing you down and pulling you away from the Lord, you need to stop that fellowship. You, not to be unequally yoked with the, the things of, of the world and of the, of, of the world, but you yoke yourself together with good friends and fellowship and brothers and sisters who will build you up in the faith and in your walk with the Lord. Daniel and his friends encouraged one another in the Lord. And like I said, perhaps their little godly band was the closest thing they had to family in Babylon. And that made, made their bond and band even stronger because their family perhaps were killed or scattered or separated. And now these four are together in Babylon in God's providence to strengthen and encourage one another in the things of the Lord. What a godly band of young men. They instantly formed a bond through their devoted faith in the Lord. And we see this kind of godly Friendship, this deep godly friendship between David and Jonathan. That's why I had Jeff read 1 Samuel chapter 18. Um, I believe that kind of relationship existed with these four men uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There was this bond, this friendship, this covenant that they made to serve the Lord. Let me just read you again 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 and 3. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit, but the soul of David, knit. <laughs> they were a band. They were a, a bond. They were a, a bosom friends. They were as close to friends as you can get when it comes to friendship. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. You know, today we live in such a crazy, immoral world that people would start to question that. Men loving men. But it's done in the Bible in the right, biblical, pure way. There are men who can love men to the glory of God without bringing reproach and sin and, and wickedness upon each other. And Jonathan and David had that bond, that love for each other. 
He says, and Saul took him that day and would let him not go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And boy, isn't it a blessing? I, I can see the blessing as a parent. When I see my children, they, they choose Christian friends. They choose godly friends. They, they have a certain, you don't have a certain fear, even though they're not perfect, even though they're still shortcomings in even with godly friends there is this comfort in the parents heart to know uh, that my my children are with people of their own age who will build them up in the lord and encourage them and won't corrupt them or pull them down or or discourage them that things of the lord what a blessing that is now oh, david and jonathan they instantly formed a bond through their mutual respect of each other as warriors and their devoted faith in the Lord. You think about Jonathan and David, one of the, some of the greatest warriors in Israel. You know, when when Jonathan, Jonathan saw David stand up against Goliath, I think that just elevated his respect for David. And then when David found out Jonathan's boldness to fight against the Philistine garrison, he and his, his armor bearer, there is this... Uh, basic similarity or this interest that both had in warfare they were great warriors but the thing that really brought them together was their faith in the lord uh, their their love for, for for god and this is the love that daniel shedrach meshach and abednego had they had this this uh, bond that came from this deep friendship in the lord And so as parents, we pray that the Lord will raise up these kinds of relationships in our children's lives. And for those um, who are seeing their children go away and and astray, uh, we can always pray that the Lord will bring them back and have them wake up to the reality of, of the importance of choosing good, wise, and spiritual friends for their own benefit and for their own good. So what made Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego a band of godly brothers, a godly upbringing, a godly view of trials, and godly friendships? May this message this morning inspire us to follow the Lord like these four men did in Daniel chapter 1. Let us pray. Our Father, we do thank you for uh, the example that we've read about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We thank you, Lord, for this band of godly brothers who had this privilege of being raised in a godly home, also went through great trials, but yet went through the trials with the perspective of God guiding them and loving them. And then, Lord, uh, their friendship certainly comes out. And, oh, Lord, we have so many young people here today, even as we sit here and as they sit here we pray dear lord that some of the things that they heard today that they will take to heart and some of them are already being applied in their lives and that's such a blessing to see how they've made wise decisions when it comes to choosing the right friends but lord we pray uh, that that will teach all of us whether we're uh, older or, or or not quite young anymore we pray that these principles Uh, that we've read and considered today uh, will inspire us and motivate us to have a closer walk with Christ and to glorify him. 
So, Lord, take our thanks for this time and, and do us good. And be with us, Lord willing, as we come back to hear the rest of the message. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.